Good morning, church. Uh, to bring you up to speed, uh, we just finished a series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which um, if you were paying attention, if you were here for that, uh, you remember that Jesus had some pretty challenging things to say about his kingdom and how life in his kingdom is completely different than life in this world. And um, between now and summer, we're doing a church life series. And the last church life series that we did uh, was called Forged by Grace. This particular church life series is called Forged by Suffering. Doesn't that sound fun? Forged by Suffering. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, Well, I don't have to tell you. We live in a broken world, right? We live in a broken world, brokenness everywhere, and thank God the Bible has a lot to say about suffering and enduring and persevering in the midst of all of that brokenness. So let me start with a question. How many of you here can say that your life is absolutely perfect? That you are so happy every single day, it almost feels wrong. Work is great, retirement's great, Home life couldn't be better. No stress with your bills. Your kids are angels. You're perfectly healthy. You're you're meeting your goals. I mean, practically accomplishing themselves. Maybe everything that you touch is turning to gold. You're totally content in your marriage. Or you're totally content with being single. You have everything you could possibly want in friendship. And you never struggle with guilt. You never struggle with shame. Anyone here like that? No? Life can be rough sometimes, can't it? It could be a grind. And then on top of all of that, God expects us to minister to each other and to others? You know, I always get a little bit of perspective. Um and get encouraged and challenged when I meet pastors from Kenya or from India or Yucatan. Like a pastor I met from Chad, man, if you know anything about Chad, how brutal and difficult it it is in there in the heart of Africa. Meeting people like them has always had an impact on me and put things in perspective. Seeing in the midst of all of their brokenness and all of the suffering in their own lives and in their community, seeing their genuine dependence on God because they don't have a choice. Seeing their genuine focus on Christ and their steady joy in the face of persecution and broken communities. Every corner of the world has problems, including your corner of the world. So let me ask you this morning, as we, you know, head into this sermon, as we head into this series, what is it for you? What are you facing? What are you struggling with? What seems to be robbing you of joy, robbing you of life? What is it that's got you worried or anxious or crushing you? It seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. What is it? Whatever it is. I want you to keep that in your mind as we go through this. 
you're going to do the hard work of making this practical and making this relevant and applying it to your own life. So my encouragement to you is to engage in the sermon by actively thinking about what it is that you're going through and looking at that through the lens of the truth that we're looking at. And let's see what God does. Be praying for that. As we strive by the grace of God to live out our faith in a real way, in a real world, we must, we must courageously come face to face with suffering. Suffering in our own lives, suffering in our, our communities. And when we do, we realize that we long for redemption. We need redemption. And we cannot redeem ourselves or anybody else. And so therefore, we need a redeemer. And God tells us that Jesus is our redeemer and we can count on him. You know what the problem is most of the time? Most of the time, we don't believe it. I mean, we might agree with it intellectually. Someone asks you, do you believe it? You say, yeah, I believe it. But functionally, we don't believe it so much of the time. When we look at 2 Corinthians, we see that the main theme of 2 Corinthians is strength through weakness. Does that sound weird to anybody? That's the theme, strength through weakness. And what Paul is doing here is he is addressing the problem of false teachers that come into a the, the Corinthian church, a church that he had planted. Paul is away from the church at this point, and these false teachers swoop in. They come in, and they're saying that the apostle Paul is not a real apostle. And here's what their basic argument is. The basic argument is, look how weak Paul is. Look how pathetic Paul is. He's not impressive. He's not strong. His his preaching doesn't inspire me. And worse than that, he's got this thorn in his flesh and this affliction. He can't even fix himself. What kind of apostle is that? Why would he be your leader? He's always getting into trouble. He's always suffering. Nothing is going right. There is no way that he is anointed by God. If he were, he and his church wouldn't be having all these problems and all these struggles. So Paul writes back, and he doesn't write back and say, no, uh, I'm strong, I'm smart. He doesn't say that. He says, yes, I am weak, and I delight in my weakness. He says, yes, I suffer, and I rejoice in my suffering, because when I am weak, God's power is revealed. And that right there is proof that it's not my ministry. It's God's ministry. So I'm going to read the text. And as I do, I want you to listen carefully in light of whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever is, uh, it is that you're frustrated with, whatever it is that is annoying you, whatever it is that disappoints you, whatever it is that robs you of joy. Keep that in mind as we listen uh, to this word being read. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, and it says this. Blessed 
be the God and Father, or praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies or compassion, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffering. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. This is God's word. You know, in this path, there seems to be three foundational truths. Truths that will make all the difference in the world for you and whatever it is that you're going through. And here's the deal. These powerful truths that make all the difference in the world to you as you're going through your suffering only become real to you through suffering. And you know what I've learned? No one gets a free pass on suffering. No one. No one gets a free pass on suffering. You either suffer for the right reasons or you suffer for the wrong reasons. You suffer in the right way or the wrong way, but no one gets a free pass on suffering. It's part of life. And thank God the Bible addresses that. And so what we need to see first is this. If you're taking notes, following along with the outline in your bulletin, that we share in Christ's suffering. Paul says in in verse 5 that we share abundantly in Christ's suffering. Another translation says the suffering of Christ flows over into our lives. So what in the world does that mean? It means that there is a supernatural harmony between Jesus and his followers. That somehow we are identified with Jesus and are united with Jesus in such a way that, that what you experience in life as suffering is part of Christ's suffering. Now, the key to understanding this, if that's still a little, if you're having a hard time grasping that, 
The key to understanding this is called the incarnation. Incarnation means that God became man and that man's name is Jesus. And so God lived among us in human flesh. And then after he died for our sin and rose again, he ascended into heaven. And God was not with us in body, in the flesh anymore. But on the day of Pentecost, he poured out his spirit on his people. And now by the Holy Spirit, Jesus dwells in a new body, a new body called the church. That's why the church is called the body of Christ. Jesus is now incarnate in this body of Christ. It's a mystery. We can't totally explain it, but it's reality. Jesus is with his people, amen? Paul knew this better than anybody. There was a time before he met Jesus, he was known as Saul the persecutor. And he used to think that the way to please God would be to persecute the church. And so that's what he did. And that's why he had Stephen killed. And then he headed out to Damascus to arrest more Christians and persecute more Christians. And on his way to Damascus, the Lord knocked him off his horse, blinded him with blazing light. And then Paul hears the voice of Jesus. And what does Jesus say to him? Does he say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting uh, my people? Why are you persecuting my church? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, you know what he's saying there? He's saying that when you persecute my people, you're persecuting me. That is the unity that Jesus has with his church. And so we share in his suffering. So here's a question I want to throw out to you for us to chew on. Which hard times are the sufferings of Christ? Is it only when we're persecuted when we're faith, in our, for our faith? Does verse 4 say God comforts us in some of our troubles so that we can comfort those in some of their troubles? No. Look at verse 4. And would you read this together with me? Verse 4, ready, begin. God comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. It is not, it's not limited to persecution. It's any hard times that the believer goes through, even if it's a result of our own sin. It all becomes part of the sufferings of Christ. Do you know what this means? What this means is that we do not suffer in vain. What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that, that's painful? What is ripping your heart out right now? I'm telling you this morning, the suffering is not in vain. It is not pointless. We may not be able to connect the dots on everything, but know this. It is not pointless. You are not suffering in vain. Since it's all the suffering of Christ, it all has meaning, it all has purpose. Jesus suffered on the cross to accomplish our salvation, and now we are suffering with him to advance his salvation into the world. 
In verse 5, Paul says, So also through Christ our comfort overflows. It overflows to those around us. In your suffering, you are advancing salvation in the world in ways that you don't even see and in ways that you don't even understand. And you'll probably never know most of it until you're with Jesus. You do not suffer in vain. But also, secondly, thank God you don't suffer alone. The fact that you are united with Christ, that that you share in his suffering, that means that Jesus is with you. The word that's used for comfort is parakaleo. It's a combination of two words that basically means to stand with someone and encourage them. That's why we say around here, no one stands alone. That's why we take no one stands alone offerings when somebody's struggling, we pass the hat, do we want to help them out there in need? When you go through suffering, even Jesus himself stands with you and encourages you in your suffering. One of the more famous passages in the Bible is Psalm 23. And verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. How many of you heard that a million times? You've heard it a million times if you spend any time in church. But here's what most people miss. Here's what's important to see. There's a shift that happens in this verse that most people just never realize. It had to be pointed out to me. The first part of the passage starts with, he leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. And it's like one sheep talking to another sheep about their shepherd, right? But now, as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, the language changes from he to you. You are with me. As you go through the valley of the shadow of death, as you go through your hard times, as you suffer, you can know that your shepherd is walking closely with you. You do not suffer alone. So that gives us hope for this third promise, this third sub-point here, which is a great promise which is we will make it. You will make it. Listen, you know what? We can't separate the suffering Christ from the exalted Christ, the Christ who has triumphed over death. The false teachers are saying, Paul is struggling, he's not doing so well, he's a loser, this is God's judgment, he's not a real apostle, and Paul says, No, you guys don't get it. This isn't judgment. This is proof that through a weak man like me, it is God who is working. And if I share in Christ's suffering, then I will also share in God's exaltation, Jesus' exaltation. That means for you, as you share in Christ's suffering, you will also share in Jesus' exaltation. You will share in his glory. 
This promise is your encouragement. This promise is your hope. This promise is your strength when you suffer. And again, we might not be able to have perfect clarity and perspective on, on it all when we're in the middle of it, but this is a call to faith even when we don't understand what's going on. It's faith in God's promise to sustain you. It is faith in God's promise to keep you. You are not suffering in vain. He is with you, and you're going to make it. That's a promise. The second main truth we see in this passage is that God comforts us. He comforts you. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. <laughs> Paul, when he's writing this, he pulls out all of the stops here to emphasize that God's comfort always outweighs any suffering we will ever face. He says that God is the God of all comfort. You see, and there is, there is no other source of true comfort other than him. His comfort is always enough. No suffering can separate the believer from the compassion of our heavenly Father. And God's power and grace are magnified in our weakness. And I forget that all of the time. I forget it constantly. Which is why we need the community so we can remind each other of this. And did you see in verse 37, Paul goes a little overboard here with the word comfort. He uses it nine times in just verses three through seven. He repeats it over and over and over again. God's comfort comes to us like waves of an ocean, wave after wave after wave after wave. When do the waves stop? Never. God's comfort is so great that it enables you to not only endure, but to even rejoice in your suffering for Christ's sake. You know, the Apostle Paul, he's a down-to-earth guy. And he knows that we're going we're gonna to have a hard time with this. And so he breaks it down and he tells us how this plays out in his life. In verse 8 he says, We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Paul can totally relate when we think this is hopeless. There is, there's nothing that I can do. I don't see my life getting any better anytime soon, if ever. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. I don't think I can take it. And Paul is saying, that is exactly what I experienced. It felt like I had the sentence of death within me. And then he says in verse 9, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God. He felt like he had the sentence of death upon him. Everything seemed hopeless. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God. This right here is the great lesson. 
This right here is the great purpose. This right here is the great test of all of our suffering. The, God, the love of God leads us to not trust in ourselves, but to rely on God, to rely on God who what? Who raises the dead. That also gets translated as God, the raiser of the dead. Like this is his title. Paul sees his deliverance in this situation is like a resurrection. And that it points to the resurrection. And he says in verse 10, God will deliver us. This right here is the hope we have for our lives. This right here is the hope we have for the church. This is the hope we have for our neighborhoods, for our city, for our nation, for our world. And on the day of resurrection, everything will be transformed. We cannot just hope that we'll be delivered from our suffering. I mean, it's got to be more than that. Our hope's got to be in the resurrection that promises that one day King Jesus, when he returns, will take everything that's wrong in the world and make it right and as it should be. That is our hope. That's the true comfort that we have in Jesus. So we share in Christ's suffering and God comforts us. But thirdly, God comforts us so that we can comfort others. Like what Don said earlier, he uses it to make us mission ready. Okay? Paul says, verse 4, God comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul says, that if you suffer, and if you share in Christ's sufferings, you'll be able to comfort others in a supernatural way. I mean, that, that means that, that even if you don't suffer in the same way he suffers, you can still encourage him. And even if you suffer in ways that, that he doesn't, you, I mean, you can still comfort him. It doesn't matter if you're, not, if you're not going through the same thing. In supernatural ways, we can encourage each other and build each other up, comfort each other. You don't have to be going through the, the same thing. We're not only united with Christ, but we're united to each other. That's why Paul gives us so, so much and puts so much importance to prayer. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. In prayer, we share in each other's sufferings together. And when God delivers, guess what? We share in thanking God together like the Levines were telling us about in the crowded houses that we do. We experience it in the DNA discipleship groups that we do. This is how we experience God's comfort in community. We think that our limitations, we think that our suffering disqualifies us or, or might disqualify someone else. But it's, I'm telling you, it's just the opposite. Those who suffer and those who are weak receive wave after wave of God's comfort and their comfort overflows to others in all kinds of ways. 
That is what makes you mission ready. That is what equips you. So ask yourself, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that you're struggling with, in the midst of it, ask yourself, how does God want me to minister to others? You will be amazed by what God does through that. Ask yourself, how have I suffered and experienced God's comfort? That's how he equips you. That's how he calls you to minister to the people that God has put in your life. You know, I got it from a personal note, man, I'm telling you. Shan, my wife, Shannon, and I, we get to experience this so much through our church family. From you all. So many of you remind us to trust God because all of us, all of us are too weak. You know this. And man, we respect you for it. You pray for us that we'd experience strength and joy in God. You have ministered to us in so many amazing ways. And you've done the same for so many others, whether they're in the church or not. <laughs> Do you see how you can be involved in God's mission and the advancement of his kingdom through suffering? We must continue to grow in this as we pray for each other and sacrifice for each other. That's how we share in each other's suffering together and giving thanks together when God answers our prayers. So we all, we all experience hard times. We experience disappointment and agony and, and hopelessness and helplessness. You can't always compare your, your experience with someone else's, but the key question is, are you experiencing God's comfort? Are you learning to not rely on yourself, but on God? God, the, the raiser of the dead. I'm not, I'm not talking about some happy, clappy, praise God anyway kind of comfort. But right in the middle of all the tears, right in the middle of all the grief, you have hope and you know it's not in vain and you know that Jesus is with you and that you are going to make it and that is what carries you through. Are you experiencing that? Paul says through Christ, our comfort overflows. And that does not happen on our own. The sin of each of us separates us from a just and holy God and the only way to connect with him is through faith in Jesus. That means that Jesus loves you so much that he became weak for you. After living a life of perfect reliance upon the Father, he went to the cross and he suffered for you. And then God, the Father, turned his back on God, the Son, in his Son's moment of greatest suffering. Jesus experienced that on the cross so that if you trust in him, you never will. Jesus was crucified in weakness, but then he was raised by God in power. The moment 
that you believe in Jesus. You are united to him in such a way that his death for sin becomes yours. That, that his perfect righteousness becomes yours. That his resurrection becomes yours. And through Christ, God comforts you in the hard times so that through Christ, you can comfort others. Now, for those of you here this morning that might not be Christians, I I want to invite you this morning to put your faith in Christ. And if you do, I want you to realize that Jesus is already with you. Transfer your trust from yourself to God. I'm telling you, we will always, always let ourselves down. But he will never let you down. So put your trust in him. And finally, for those of you who are Christians, maybe you're just not experiencing God's comfort right now in your suffering. I want to invite you to do the same. Active, real faith of a Christian is continually transferring your trust from yourself to God. Your suffering is not in vain. You do not suffer alone. You will make it. And as you share in the sufferings of Christ, God will use you to comfort others. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, God, I pray in this time of of prayer that you would unite us, your church, in such a way um, that we truly pray right now, right here, as, as one. Pray that you would guard our, our minds against wandering, that we would focus on you, your grace your mercy, your compassion, your comfort that you have to us. God, I pray for my brothers and my sisters who are struggling right now, for those who may not know you that are here this morning. God, I pray that you would comfort them in the way only you can. Enable them to transfer their trust to you and to find rest in you. And God, help us to encourage each other in, in the truths and the promises of your word that you never break your word. You always fulfill your promises. And we forget that so easily. God, I pray that you would be glorified in our suffering, knowing that no amount of suffering can crush the joy and the peace that you give to us. And God, I pray that you would be glorified in that. 
God, I pray that if there's anybody here that has not put their trust in you, that this morning would be their morning, that they would trust you. I pray that you would give them faith to believe in Jesus, who he is and what he's done. Give them courage to follow you. Encourage to share that with someone in the church so we can encourage them and, and pray for them. God, we pray these things because we believe these are the things you have us pray for. And so we pray them in your name.